Coronavirus has devastated Italy in big ways, but also little ones. Because in Napoli, for a few months, it was not possible to have any kind of delivery at home, included the pizza, because it can be quite uh, dangerous to deliver. Of course, the pizzeria were closed, not a lot of pizza. But just in the past week, Italians have gotten the taste of something better ahead. So just since the 27th of April, uh, it's possible. It's possible to have pizza at home. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. We should be clear, access to pizza is not the only thing Valerio Alfonso Bruno has been worrying about recently. The situation's quite heavy. It's like uh, every day we follow the news, but there are always bad news. It's like there's no way out until uh, hundreds of people uh, dying in Italy. And um, we don't see the light at the end of the, the tunnel. Where are you right now? Right now I'm with my family in Napoli. Uh, in the last year I was based in Milan. I work part-time as a teacher with students with disabilities in a high school and part-time as a political analyst. And the political analyst part is what we want to talk about. But we started our conversation asking Dr. Bruno what's been happening with him since this whole thing started. I'm here in Napoli because I was going to spend one weekend with my family at the end of February. Actually, I took the train to go from Milano to Napoli on uh, February 21st, which was uh, the first day of the outbreak in Italy. The Lombardy region of northern Italy is in lockdown as more cases of the COVID-19 coronavirus are confirmed. The sudden spread has led local authorities to take swift action, urging businesses, schools and churches in several towns to close their doors. Several train stations are closed and tens of thousands of Italians have been told to stay home. And I was not anymore able to go back to, to Milano and to my, my apartment and to work with my, my students. How are you feeling these days, mentally, emotionally and physically? Uh, at the beginning, it was like a big surprise. So everybody was, uh, you know, talking with the friends, watching the, the news at the TV and uh, was like, OK, what's going on? But we're starting talking about the summer and it's quite depressing. Uh, me, myself, I don't know if I will start teaching again in September with my students in, uh, in Milano. Sometimes they ask to me, OK, professor, when, uh, when do you think we will meet again? When we will po- be possible to go out again and to go back to normal life? And, uh, you know, I, I don't feel I want to, to give them a, an answer because it will be too, too negative. So I just say, OK, uh, let's wait. Uh, the good news will come from the government. So your students are looking to you for answers, but it's hard to find them because no one has them. And I know many people are probably feeling exactly like you're feeling right now. So in addition to teaching... I have a PhD in political science. Sometimes I also write about countries where you have uh, political movements which are belonging to the extreme or uh, radical right. For the Center for Analysis of the Radical Right, this is an issue that still is finding importance, even in the midst of this pandemic. You're the perfect person to talk to. So... For those of us who weren't following Italy that closely before the coronavirus, can you walk me through what was going on 
when it comes to politics? And how did Italians feel about their government? We have a, a government which is led by a center-left coalition, with our Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte being part of a populist party, which is uh, allied with the Liga in the, in the past, but then he moved to a coalition with the center-left. Early last fall, the populist and also nationalist party, the League, or La Liga in Italian, split with Conte's center-left coalition. Matteo Salvini brought down the previous coalition. The prime minister resigns, blaming deputy prime minister Matteo Salvini and his right-wing league party for the The league is led by this cult of personality, Matteo Salvini. You may have heard of him. The league's leader, Matteo Salvini, surely the most photographed man in Italy. Minister Matteo Salvini, who has really come to fame of late on an anti-migration ticket. Racist, on the other hand, uh, extremist views of Matteo Salvini. And he's saying... They are the radical right. They're not fond of immigrants or the European Union, and Salvini makes those views known. It's important that Italy is no longer considered as a refugee camp. Right now, Italy is undergoing a major shift, the most devastating since World War II, and it will come out a different country. We wanted to know what that country might look like. Will it be global, nationalist? Will it lean left or right? So before coronavirus took hold in February, Prime Minister Conte was losing popularity, and La Liga Party the Liga, until February, was on the rise. Um, they were pulling very, very well. But then the situation changed with the, with the virus. Now the, the support of the Italians, the trust towards uh, their president, is very, very high. While, on the other hand, uh, the trust and the support for the Lega and the radical right parties is going uh, down. Why? What's going on there? For um, at least two or three reasons. First of all, hundreds and hundreds of people dying in, in northern Italy. The lockdown is strictly implemented. So why hundreds of people keep dying in, the, in Lombardy, the region of Milano? In Lombardy, one of the best health systems in the world was quickly overwhelmed and the army had to be called in to help with the bodies. Uh, in the city of Naples, like where I'm current with my family, there are you know, cases of coronavirus, there are deaths, but you know, they're like uh, only hundreds. It's uh, something that you cannot compare with, uh, with the Lombardy and Milano, where half of the, the deaths from coronavirus uh, of Italy are. Mm-hmm like more than 30,000, 14,000 people uh, dying in Lombardy alone. It's going to be like uh, really uh, a war. There were people like uh, staying in these nursing homes for the, the elderly. Like hundreds and hundreds of these people, uh, they, they died. Scandal now surrounds Italy's largest nursing home in nearby Milan, where at least 143 people have died since the beginning of March. Prosecutors are now investigating that facility and more than a dozen others. So this was the, the tragedy within the, the tragedy, I would say. Of course, with the north, uh, northern region, most of them being ruled by the party of Salvini, the Liga, was not good for their reputation. So that's reason one, La Liga's losing popularity. They're being saddled with blame for the tremendous loss of life in the north of Italy. 
And other uh, reason is because of uh, the technical expertise, uh, which is now really required by politicians and the public debate. We are listening a lot to informed uh, virologists, epidemiologists, medical doctors. Historically, the Liga or populist nationalist parties, they have been better with broken promises, rising fear, uh, finding a, a common enemy like stereotypes. When this first started, Salvini posted a video of a ship heading to Italy, full of migrants, on his Facebook page, in effect pointing to migrants as the cause of the problem. And his messaging has been a roller coaster ride ever since. One day Salvini's like, okay, let's open everything. The day after he's going like, okay, you know, let's close the borders with France and Switzerland and Austria. Or like, let's open the, the church for the, the, the mess. And this is not only confusing. In a situation like this, it can scare people. It can contribute to this perhaps accurate feeling that things are out of control, which may be why Italians are turning back to the prime minister, Giuseppe Conte. Uh, right now, there is evidence that when there is uh, something uh, catastrophic like a pandemic, we try to, to rely more on our leaders because of this rally around the flag syndrome. Mm-hmm. Right now, most of the Italians, they, they trust him, even if he has to tell us news that we don't appreciate too much, like, OK, you have to keep staying in quarantine, you have to stay in isolation. Everyone's been banned from leaving 16 provinces in the north. Quello che sta succedendo nella mia città What is happening in my city is worrying me, and it's also saddening, because Milan is a lively city, and to see it like this today is almost a defeat for me. I never would have thought this would happen. So, um, while Salvini is falling, the popularity of, of Conte is strong right now. That shift is a result of the virus itself. But there's this secondary victim in Italy, like a lot of places around the world. The economy. Quarantine, for many people, means they can't work. We never really, really recovered from the financial crisis of 2010, 2009. There is unemployment in uh, many areas of, uh, of southern Italy. Northern Italy will be hit hard. The, the, the tourism, uh, tourism sector, which is vital and crucial for Italy, will, uh, is totally collapsed. We should need a a huge major plan to to recover, but I don't see really the possibility who is going to give Italy uh, money. So probably it's going to be up to us Italians to try to build up again the, the country. And building the country back is coming soon. But Dr. Bruno is not looking forward to the direction he sees it going. He fears the radical right may take hold of the agenda. I think that once the, the focus will not be any more public health, the emergency, but will be more like uh, recovery, Salvini and uh, other leaders in Italy, they will jump in again and they will start, you know, trying to, to find uh, like uh, enemies and blame the tragedy, the economic tragedy on somebody, maybe it will be the European Union, maybe it will be the, the government of Conte, maybe it will be immigrants. They could say, look, uh, there is no jobs for Italians, uh, there is no social welfare for us, so it's not possible that we keep hosting and allowing immigrants from, you know, like Africa, from Syria, from Afghanistan. 
And this is always the way like radical right parties, nationalist party, they try to, to build uh, an enemy. And in this case, it will be very, very easy to, to channel the frustration of the Italians because the recovery will be very hard because the situation before the pandemics was already very fragile, the economic situation. So unfortunately, I see in the future, there will be a social and political crisis, let's say. Wow, it's heavy. Because migrants and refugees are such an important part of this conversation, we wanted to hear from them about what they've been experiencing in Italy since the coronavirus hit and what their hopes for Italy are. My name is Gustav Abume, a refugee. I came to Italy last year, March. Gosam Abume was one of the very few who would talk. Everybody's afraid. No one want to talk. It wasn't easy to find those people. Because if they eventually find out that I did these things, it, it, my document will be a problem or I can face deportation. He's living in Venice, Italy. The tourism-based economy there has been slammed by this virus. Gosam didn't have a job or papers when COVID-19 hit. And the recent restrictions have just made things harder. So it's not easy yet. We are in this COVID condition. I'm in the streets now. I don't even have a home. I have nothing. It's not easy. Domenico, a Nigerian in Naples, was also willing to talk. The main issue that uh, the migrants are facing in Italy, especially in Napoli. They don't give out uh, contracts for plumbing work, uh, painting work, or building work. Domenico was doing this kind of construction before COVID-19. And now, he's not being compensated because he was never on the books. Some of the organizations here in Italy, like the organization Characters, is a charity organization. They have really been helpful, supplying food. Also, the policemen that do go to houses and give food. But there's a place called Piazza. It's a garden where everybody go, you play, there are flowers there. Now, I found myself in the Piazza when Italians, they come, and there are a lot of uh, racism. You're not supposed to be here. The racism is increasing day after day. So we're just praying and hoping that God help us as immigrants and refugees in this country. Italy has become dependent on this off-the-books economy, and it's made up of migrants and native Italians alike. Because they don't get taxed, they aren't getting compensation from the government. And it's not just charities that have stepped in to fill the gap. Assistance is also coming from the mafia and some of Italy's most right-wing and fascist elements. There are um, some reports about the mafia being more active. Of course, there are some parties, political movements, which are minor, like Casa Pound or Forza Nova, and they've been very active in giving uh, food to, to people uh, like uh, which are in needs. But I think these are really a small reality. Just a few hundred people are benefit uh, from them. I think this is just propaganda. Mm. In Europe, a shift to the right is often a shift towards nationalism. 
and away from the European Union. This is something Salvini's been arguing for for years. And from the beginning of this crisis, the European Union wasn't helping itself drum up support. Honestly, we received no help from the European Union. Countries like Germany, the Netherlands, they have also their problems at home. Of course, they have dealing with the coronavirus. But since we are all brothers in the European Union, we were expecting more solidarity. And especially if the politicians like Salvini from Radical Right Party and Nationalist Party, they will be able to blame all the situation against uh, the European Union. I mean, it's very, very feasible that Italy may, may abandon the European Union like the UK did with the Brexit. And could be something possible for other countries like Spain as well or like France. It's time to help each other, otherwise the European Union dream will collapse. And it's going to be a pity because we needed two world wars to have the European Union. So it's a pity to, to throw and to waste all these efforts that our grandparents did. And while Italy's been waiting on Europe's help, other countries, influential countries, have stepped in. And we were also really surprised there was a huge impact to, to receive help from China, from Russia, Albania, from Tunisia, from Norway. And this was really, really appreciated. The European Union is, um, is coming out like a, a loser. But even now, an already disappointed Italy hasn't entirely given up on Europe. Not yet. Okay, there is some talks now about recovery funds, uh, about um, the, the European Central Bank and trying to help uh, countries like Italy and Spain by buying our uh, public debts. But honestly, uh, uh, the perception is that uh, this is not enough. If we don't get this solidarity probably from, from Brussels, from the European Union, other, our fellow countries, maybe we may look... Uh, to China, um, we may look to Russia, we may look to new partners, probably. So this could mean a major shift for Europe and possibly the world. Italy looking to Russia and China for assistance instead of the EU. Now Italy's economy is just starting up again. May 4th, manufacturing began. And May 18th, museums will welcome the public. Prime Minister Conte has emphasized reopening needs to happen slowly. Salvini has not. To, to listen to what Salvini or other leaders, populist uh, leaders advise, OK, let's open up, let's go back to normality, let's open the church, the parks. Uh, I mean, it's understandable, but really, I think right now the first focus should be public health. If you cannot, you know, assure to your citizen that you can safely go back to normality, you cannot open the schools, you cannot open the parks, you cannot open the churches, the factories. Eventually, they will open. And Dr. Bruno predicts that will be followed by a new Italy that's a little bit further to the right. I don't see any political parties on the left side of the spectrum to be able to to channel in a constructive way, in a practical way, their frustration. Once we will stop focusing on the public health, the right, and in particular the, the Lega of Salvini. Uh, I think it will move people more to the, to the right. And that's The Take. 
Coming up on Friday, we're talking Ramadan and how the pandemic has changed things for Muslims around the world. Today's episode was produced by Amy Walters, with help from Priyanka Tilvey, Ney Alvarez, Dina Kispe, Alexandra Locke, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. He also composed our new theme music you heard at the top. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. Our executive producer is Stacey Samuel, and our head of audio is Graylin Brashear. If you like the episode, give us a review, tell your friends, and subscribe.